welcome to an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. I am your host, Lisa Ann, and I am currently in a remote location. So when you're watching this episode on YouTube on Friday night, I drop every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. The Real Lisa Ann is my YouTube channel. You can subscribe, never miss an episode. And The Real Lisa Ann is also my show social media across the board. Do not fall for imposters. Do not fall for that message that comes through. I keep it on my main timelines. I don't answer DMs. I keep everything right there. Makes it super simple. But yes, I'm on a remote location because I did an event this weekend in LA. Uh, the boyfriend is, I'm at, my event was in Vegas at the Sapphire Pool. I did the ultimate fantasy football draft party, which was epic absolutely amazing i walked around to take photos at the event and everyone was so focused on their drafts like i was interrupting and i know what that feels like as a fantasy football team manager so it was a ton of fun great to see everybody out catching up with their friends people traveled in from all over the world to meet their league right there at the sapphire pool and draft in a cabana next to a pool and it was hot I mean, Vegas hot right now is hot. Like when a breeze comes through, it feels like 10 high powered hair dryers are blowing on you. You're like, oh, there's some air air movement, but not really. It's hot air, but it was awesome. So after Vegas, instead of flying right back to New York, you know, the US Open is going on. I'm watching it today from the hotel room. And I realized like it's still gray. And I know so many places throughout the world have dealt with this from from spires in different areas that are creating a a layer of smoke that's creating like a June gloom, like a surface below the sun. And it's just been gray. And for me, you know, I love summer, the mood, the, the uplifting of waking up to the sunrise of being incredibly bright out. So the boyfriend suggested that I come to California for a couple of days before I go back to New York. And I was like, Oh, more sunlight. Yes. So this morning I got up super early so I could record and shoot all of my cameo draft orders. I could do my podcast and I could do everything. And hopefully the goal was to be at the pool, looking at the beach by 1 p.m. and get in a good three hours before my next fantasy football draft at 4.30 p.m. East West Pacific time. So I am here and it is great. I had an awesome trip to Vegas. Just, this is now my sixth trip. And mind you, I'm going for a seventh for Monday night football uh, on the first Monday night regular season night opener. So Sapphire in Vegas does a huge Monday night event every Monday. So they're like, hey, we'd love to have you come out for opening night, uh, which is on the 11th of September, late first Monday night game. I'm like, okay, so here I am. We'll be making my seventh Vegas trip. But this year, I've gotten better at it. My first couple Vegas trips, I will admit, They were a little bit reckless and there were some hangovers. But for this trip, coming in on Friday, August 25th and leaving on Sunday, August 27th, I was in bed both nights by midnight. As a matter of fact, night one, I was in bed by 1130, which felt so great. But we got in. My friend Vic picked me up at the airport. You've seen Vic, Vic Legina. He's been here on my podcast, Lisa Ann Experience. Friend of mine for years, was a producer, director in the industry for years. And we just always vibed. We've always been great friends. So Vic lives in Vegas. He's like, I'll pick you up. I'll take you to breakfast. Kill a little time till your room is ready. We went to the Broken Yolk, which is a place I've heard about from so many people that live in Vegas. Went there, had breakfast. And by the time I got to the resorts world, my room was ready. I checked in and I immediately went outside to lay out for an hour. I was waiting for my crew to show up. Madison was going to be coming in on Friday afternoon. We were all going to go to a big dinner with George from Sapphire. So I was like, all right, let me get an hour of sun, read a little fantasy football news, listen to a podcast, and just feel the sun because even my rooftop pool, I have not been able to visit enough in New York City because it's just been gray. So I soaked in some sun, got to my room, met up with Madison. We had a great couple of hours just talk about life. I love to do this with the people that I've met throughout the years that work with me on my team. And Madison comes in to shoot all of my reels and shoot a ton of content when I'm doing these events. So it's good for us to get some girl time to just sit and talk before things get busy and before we're around a ton of people for the rest of the trip. So we got to do our our standard bonding time, which was awesome. And then George was taking us out to dinner. So Spencer came with us. Um, 
another friend from the club came with us. And now I'm, I'm going to have to look it up because I screen grabbed his IG the other day. Cause I was like, I have to make sure that I have your IG so that I can make sure that I follow you because you were so great at dinner. And now I am not going to be able to find it. And that's just how things go sometimes. But here we are. Oh, I know why, because I'm looking in this. Hold on one second. This is not professional. I know, but this is part of a on the road, on the fly podcast where these things just happen. So here we are and I am having very, 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 oh, here we go. So Marcus, I wanted to acknowledge Marcus properly because it was my first time really getting to meet him because he's usually the daytime manager and then George comes in at night. So I've been around George so much more than Marcus, but I can say this for having such a long history in the strip club business. There's nothing I love more than meeting these amazing people that now run these locations and treat everyone involved as a business and are so mindful and respectful and are just so professional. This is not what I was brought into this space as. So I celebrate it. And I want to get to know them and hear about their families and their kids are going off to college and his wife has empty nest syndrome, like all of these like beautiful things. He had bought her and her friends tickets to go see Beyonce on Sunday night on her birthday and just getting to share a dinner. And the dinner started at 7.30. I wanted to go to dinner early on Friday night. It's great to go to dinner early in Vegas because nothing is crowded because everybody eats super late. I'd rather not eat late. And we went to the SW Steakhouse in the wind. And as soon as we walked in, I could see there was indoor and outdoor seating. And I was like, we have to sit outside. I haven't been able to sit outside much. And what I didn't know is when you sit outside at the SW Steakhouse, there's an entire light show around this beautiful cave of trees. You feel like you're sitting in nature. Then there's this waterfall and this brilliant backdrop that lights up. There's CGI animations. There's creatures that come out from the top and different music that plays. And it's on a 15-minute rotation and they're all different. We sat there for three, almost four hours. And we didn't see the same one twice, but we loved it so much. It was such a great way to see everybody, have time to talk, have amazing food and watch this show. I was like, oh, this is the perfect night one. An incredible scenery, getting to have some entertainment. So if you're going to Vegas, I highly recommend the SW Steakhouse inside the wind. When you walk in, you're going to go down an escalator by that beautiful tea room lounge with all the umbrellas and walk through and the steakhouse is there. Food is beautiful. The environment is even better. So check it out. So that was our first night. I told Mads, like, hey, I really want to get a great night's sleep. I want to get up and go to the gym. I had an appointment to get my hair done at the dry bar. And then I was getting, we were all going to be getting picked up at noon to go over to Sapphire because I was finally going to do a podcast that has been asking me to do their podcast for about two years. And that's Ryan from Pillow Talk. So we did the podcast at noon uh, in the great room at Sapphire. They built everything up. He brings quite a team. It was incredible to meet him. Spencer co-hosted. You're going to learn a bit about me and Spencer on that podcast, but we're great friends. Spencer is uh, in the adult industry, but he's also a business owner, part of a condom company, does a lot of PR stuff. And it's been Spencer who initially made the contact with me and George in January for the Sapphire Clubs because a little backstory there's a horrible agent in the industry, Derek Hay. And for years, he had me blacklisted from all the Sapphire clubs. So there were a lot of businesses that I couldn't operate as a business within because he would threaten them and he would say, hey, if you hire her for anything, if you hire Lisa Ann for anything, I'll never send you one of my girls again. So that kind of stuck. And like it just kind of unraveled a bit ago. And then the club started reaching out to me and I was honest with them. And I would say to them like, Hey, I'd really love to work at your establishments, but I don't want to cause a rift for your other. And it was George and Mike from Mike from the New York location, George from the Vegas location that got together and spoke to me and said like, this is nuts. Like, why would we not have you? And I'm like, well, for years, Spearmint Rhino hasn't been have, able to have me. And I did all the grand openings for every Spearmint Rhino through the late 90s in the entire US, even clubs they don't even have anymore. And I was their grand opening girl. And then it just so happened they started booking with Derek. And then when they started booking with Derek, Derek was like, you can no longer hire her. So I'm really 
making up for lost time with all of these events, but I'm also so glad that it worked out the way that it did. The timing was meant to be. I don't hold any hard feelings because I've already gone through all of those little blips in my career, but to understand that patience is not just a virtue. Patience is something that when it's meant to work out, it works out. And here it is working out at such a beautiful time. And I'm getting to see my friends in Vegas and do these events and be a part of a company that I really believe in. So I'm doing every Thursday night for every Thursday night football game at the Sapphire in New York City. So that's Mike. He's the manager out there, goes back and forth to Vegas. So between Sapphire and Vegas and Sapphire in New York City, I get to really be part of a world that's been such a huge part of my world. And it's such a place where I love to be and connect. And so uh, it's been great doing that. So we had an awesome dinner on Friday night. Saturday went into the podcast. Then did my hosting event, uh, walked around the club, greeted some of the league baits, but they were like, they were so intense in their drafts. I took photos with everybody I could, but it's tricky because when you're at a topless establishment, which the Sapphire pool is, you can't really have your phone out. So it's a little bit harder to take photos. So I try and find spots where we're like up against the wall or just their draft order was behind, but you can't shoot because there could be people there who are enjoying themselves topless who don't want to be on camera. It's a no camera policy, but it's still an amazing time. Ryan came out with his crew and sat with us for a while. Uh, Gordy Gronkowski stopped by with his friend Ari. They're friends of Spencer's. So we had a great group, but it was Austin and Mads and me. And you'll be seeing a ton of content coming out on my socials. After that, we had a walkthrough. So sometimes I do walkthroughs when I'm on the road where someone will reach out and be like, hey, can you do a walkthrough at our establishment, do a little signing? Uh, And it was Thrive, which is the dispensary that's in the same parking lot as Sapphire in Vegas. So that's really convenient. Went over there, hung out, uh, played catch for a little bit with Spence. They had some footballs for me to sign. Got a little supplies, a little bit extra supplies for me and my friends. And after that, it was our time again. And since Madison and Austin meet up with me in Vegas and create this content with me and spend time with me, I always like to do one really special dinner where it's just the three of us. So there's a restaurant that Madison and I ate at during AVN when I got together a girls' dinner, and it's Fuhu. It's in the back of the mall when you're walking through the shopping area at uh, Resorts World. I highly recommend Fuhu, Amazing Asian Fusion. I, at that point, was starving because I didn't eat past our dinner on Friday. I thought I'd do a fast during the day. Some food came out of the pool, but it was like burgers, fries. and I, There were some quesadillas. So I'm like, you know what? I'll have like two pieces of quesadilla to hold me over. And then I'm going to eat big at dinner. I'm going to just order those. They have these these little dumplings that come out and they're like little French onion soup dumplings that come out on this beautiful spoon. Oh my gosh. So for those of you who know, one of the things I'd prefer to do other than drinking is smoke. You know, I I like edibles. I like to smoke. So we've been staying so much at Resorts World because Sapphire is right behind it. That what Mads, Austin, and I realized is we've established a neighborhood walk. Because every night when we get done with our stuff, we'll grab a a pre-roll, take a walk around the block. And there's this beautiful long walk around Resorts World that's just like sidewalk, but it's nothing else is on it. So you'd either be walking to the parking structure or you see a lot of people that work for the Resorts World walking. There's like little security on bikes, but it's like a total neighborhood walk. And there's also like benches, like every once in a while, there's a bench in this beautiful little park surrounded by flowers. Like, so we usually will walk halfway. We sit on that bench. We people watch people walking from the parking structure over to Resorts World. And the little things that I love about having a life that gets me out to travel are the moments that aren't photographed and the moments that aren't, you know, kind of calculated and recorded of just us being silly. You know, I usually am the one to bring out music and DJ and sing a little bit. And we're sitting on this bench for probably like 45 minutes the other night, just carrying on, giggling, harmless fun, having the greatest time. And and that was Friday night, we realized, Austin and I realized, like, we have a neighborhood walk here now. This is like our hood when we live here. It's a beautiful walk, nice sidewalk. So we did that walk Friday night. We did that walk again Saturday night uh, when we got back because we had that big dinner. Then we went for a nice little walk. And again, back at the room and in bed by 11, 1130-ish, watching a movie till 
the first two minutes when I fall asleep. And then Sunday, I had a nice lax morning of getting ready, not being in a hurry, getting to the airport. Austin sat with me to his gate. Madison was spending time with her family in Vegas. And then they met up at the airport because they were flying out closer together on Southwest. I was Delta to LA. So the trip just wrapped up to be incredibly beautiful. Seeing Vic when I got there, having that lovely dinner on Friday, the great events that I get to do at these clubs that I'm incredibly grateful that I still get to be a part of a community that was really a huge part of my financial freedom, uh, my independence, uh, my fun, the music, the entertainers, everything about it. It was just another awesome trip checked off. And now I get to start to settle in. Other than the fact that I'm now going back to Vegas again, early September for a Monday night football game, but I don't travel as much during the football season. I truly enjoy watching the games at home. I like the routine that I get into. I know that my days are Tuesdays and Saturdays are my light days of the week, uh, which means Tuesdays, I usually listen to music instead of all sports podcasts or sports radio. Tuesday night, we all know we'll be on the waiver wire in some leagues, uh, starting to tinker with lineups. But I enjoy this time of the year. I get to get into a really good fitness routine. I get to get into a really good home routine. And I get to really enjoy just watching these games and being part of the sports world where we're just talking about what we think could happen, what did happen, injuries, uh, specialty injury updates, specialists on social media, all the great things that come with this time of the year I truly enjoy. But now I am here. I get to be with the boyfriend uh, till late uh, Tuesday night. Then I will be flying on a red eye back to New York so I can be prepared to do my show Wednesday night. I have a special co-host this week because Howard Bender is out taking his last vacation before football season. I will be on with Britt Flynn, who I got to spend time with at the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton. Britt's amazing. Can't wait to do a show. If you haven't got it yet, uh, please subscribe at Better Network on YouTube. You will see my shows live streaming on YouTube every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. The show is Lisa Ann Does Fantasy Better because I'm covering fantasy sports and betting. So here we go. I will be back in my rhythm. And then we are just one full week away from the season starting. First, let's enjoy Labor Day. Let's hope we get some sun and fun. Let's just enjoy our last summer, our last official summer holiday as only we can. Get out there. Enjoy nature barbecue, see your friends, do whatever it is that you want to do before we hunker down and just talk football and get ready for, of course, basketball drama to start around the corner as well. But great travels. I'm so thankful for everybody that, that helps me partake in these types of beautiful times with my friends, getting work done at the same time. Uh, getting to visit all these dispensaries is quite a joy for me and my friends. And it's nothing but goodness, kind of like what I've got coming up for you right here. Another wonderful find through my friend Lainey, who does all the PR for the stars in the industry. Addis Fouché is joining the show to talk about all of the things that Addis is involved in, including a very brilliant startup. I'm delighted to have this conversation today with someone so well-rounded, taking a major leap in a new walk of life, as well as being a distance runner, a fashionista. Uh, you speak multiple languages. You're a writer and you're enjoying your new life in the industry. I'm introducing you today to Addis Fouché. Addis, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Lisa. Hi, everyone. <laughs> It is great to be here with you. Now, I know that you've had a quite an interesting journey, so let's talk about where it started. You were in the in, a, in executive space, working a yes. nine to five job, doing the same thing pretty much every day. How many how many years did you do this for? What were you exactly doing? Um, so I worked in corporate advertising. Um, I worked um, for two of the top five agencies in the world. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Um, I worked on everyone from Planned Parenthood. I worked on DuPont, like the chemical company. I worked on Nestle Waters. Fun fact, most of the water companies in the world are all owned by Nestle. It's just same same, yeah, yeah, same yeah. thing, different branding. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I worked mostly except, in strategy Except for media. this one right here. 
Liquid death is right, not except for liquid diet. death. <laughs> it's funny. I actually love liquid death because um, I don't drink. Also, so when I go to parties, there's a few people who actually don't know what liquid death is. So I can go incognito as like a sober person at parties, and nobody notices when I'm drinking bad. Sure, because it looks um, like you're yeah. drinking a cocktail or a beer or something. So how many years did you do this for? So um, I started my first advertising internship was in 2016 and I started, um, I entered the sex industry in 2015. So like I kind of was working two lives at the same time. Okay. Um, my first account was American Express. I was on small businesses and I was on um, like personal consumer cards. Yeah, this is very common for New Yorkers. Obviously, many people work many jobs. So yeah. you've had this what was the turning point for you? Because all of that is exciting. You're working with some of the biggest brands, but anything that we do, if it's not peaking the level of curiosity to satisfy us, we still feel that numb feeling of like, is there something else I should be doing with my time? Yeah, I felt that a lot. And, you know, honestly, all the stuff that I do now, so like the modeling, the writing, um, content creation, um, I have a startup as well. We can get into that. But this was all stuff that I was doing while I was, you know, working in the sex industry and also a full time senior associate. So um, but you're right. As New Yorkers, and I'm a native New Yorker, I'm from Brooklyn, born and raised, um, I get bored really easily. And I like when my life moves really fast, um, which is both a blessing and a curse. Uh, but yeah, so I just kind of looked at my boss one day and I was like to myself, do I want what you have? And I realized I didn't envy her. I didn't envy her life. And if I continued on this path, um, working in advertising, which I was really, really good at, I would be her. And so I thought, who do I want to be? And then I was like, wait a minute. I love that I can use like my aesthetics, my beauty, my sexuality to make people happy, but also like to make myself happy. So I left effective immediately. I don't even think I gave a two weeks notice. I think I literally left that afternoon. And then I was like, oh my God, now my life has actually begun. You know, that's a great aha moment in life to be able to look at the executive that you're behind that you would eventually be and say to yourself, is that who I want to be? That's very mm -hmm. self-aware. How old were you then? I was, so I left advertising in 2020. So what was three years ago? I was 25. I'm about to be 28. Um, in September, I'm a Virgo. Can't you tell? <laughs> I can tell. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's, and, and then, you know, since you were doing both, you had that balance mm -hmm. of like this, I do, I, I live one lifestyle, I live the other. And then you completely decide to lean in. I'm sure that's where this spark came to start your startup. So let's talk yes. about that. Yeah, it's funny. So um, the company is called Bitter Blush. So bitter like the taste and blush like the makeup. It was a blog that I started in college, but it's totally pivoted since I've like kind of taken this new turn in my life. Um, bitter Blush started out as a blog to talk about stigmatized issues in order to make people feel less stigmatized. So folks would submit things about sex, mental health, identity, those were the big topics, right? And we were getting everything from, you know, what is it like to lose your virginity as a fat black gay man to um, dating during the pandemic to like, I'm the token black person in my friend group. What is that like, right? And other people would submit, someone wrote like a, a reflection of the army hammer situation. So many, many things were happening and it was really cool. Um, and we started to grow a lot during lockdown because people were just on their phones talking about this kind of stuff, right? And so then a lot of other people started to repost random things that we had, like Lena Dunham, um, Megan Trainor, just really random celebrities that I didn't think would come across our work. And I would get DMs personally or to the blog's Instagram and people would be like, Addis, thank you so much for posting this. I didn't know about this issue until I read it. And so I was like, so people really do care about a lot of these issues. And I think the issue is that people don't know where to find information and they don't know where to start. So they give up because it seems very overwhelming. And so I thought, what if Bitter Blush pivoted into an app? And so now we are launching as a subscription-based service where people can subscribe a la carte to learn about various types of discrimination. And these videos are short form and they feel kind of like you're FaceTiming a friend versus doing like a corporate training for like fishing or something like that. <laughs> What a great idea and a concept because it's really Pandora's box, right? Yes, people mm -hmm. may in passing think about stigmas, 
issues that other people are living through that they're not, but they, mm-hmm. they don't know where to start. They don't know when to start. And there's that call to action that something as simple as bitter blush can create. It creates a call mm-hmm. to action of like, oh, this truly piqued my curiosity. Now I'm going to go down the rabbit hole and maybe learn more because it's easier mm-hmm. after you've been reading something to find more related topics. And there's so many things that should be more a part of the conversation, like being in the sex industry, safe, Mm -hmm. safe sex and STD testing is very common. It's a normal fact of your life, right? It's a normal fact of our lives as, as, as I was a performer. And when I think about how young people now do not have the same materials, education, less states are, are doing sex education and sexual wellness classes, but yet this same younger generation can access content before they even know what it is. So it's a wild thing. And I think that, that, that lies on like the parents, like, they didn't have it maybe when they were young and now they've got to realize, oh, I've got to train my brain to go through certain settings on my kid's phone. He's 10 years old. I'm giving him this phone. And I think a lot of them don't mm-hmm. think about it. Right. Exactly. And you know what? It's interesting. So I can look on the back end and see how people are finding us. Right. Um, and some of our articles actually rank higher than like 17 magazine or even elite daily in Google search, which is really remarkable. So people are mostly finding our their way to our website, either from social media and then just like clicking the link in bio and stuff. And then the second um, easiest way that people are finding us is through direct, which means people are Googling like, you know, what is it like to get chlamydia? And they're finding our articles. So, you know, now I know that this is a resource, um, but you're absolutely right. Like there's so many issues that people feel afraid to talk about. But I think the thing about what we're building too is that it's um, information in a buildable way, right? Because there's some folks who don't even know what LGBTQ could stand for. And then there's other people who are over here and they're like being able to debate the difference between bisexuality and pansexuality, but you can't get over here unless you're here and then all the steps in between. So I find that even following certain accounts on Instagram or Twitter to get information, it doesn't work as well because whatever the algorithm happens to serve you that day is what you're going to get, right? Yeah. And you're able to curate it all in one place and bring back a repetitive reader. Do you write all the articles yourself or do you outsource the writing? So it's funny, at first it was just me and my friends. Like I honestly thought Bitter Blush when I was in college would just be this thing that I did with my friends on the weekends. And then people started DMing me like, hey, I have something to say, can I can I write this? And so I was editing all the work myself and then eventually we got all these community contributors. And after a certain point, I was able to have staff writers. So I have staff writers and they'll usually write about one piece a month. Um, and then we take pieces in the community pretty much unless it's like really, really, really offensive or like extremely poorly written. We will work with it and we will, we'd be happy to like give you a voice. That's amazing. So this is really your passion project in what, in the life that you're living right now, for sure. And something that you and your Mm -hmm. friends are like, oh, this is actually something. And as much news that's out there, it's all the same news. And I love what you're doing is you're providing that those resources for things we really need to be talking about. But what we've learned about our news in the past, let's say five years is that you're almost, you can look at every single news site. You're going to get the same story with a different slant and you're going to be fed the same 10 pieces of information a day when realistically there could be a thousand really important pieces of information every day. Right. Exactly. That's such a good point, Lisa. And also too, like there's so much more nuance, right? Like for me, I'm a sober person. I'm also a sex worker. A lot of times you'll find content about either being a sex worker or being sober and the overlap doesn't happen that often. So, you know, something that I could and kind of want to write for Bitter Blush is like what it's like to be sober as a sex worker. Um, But yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, I think what also makes it kind of um, an interesting thing is I saw how much um, like we're, able to ride on the coattails or like the tailwind of, you know, Ron DeSantis taking away a lot of resources and also the fall of a lot of more traditional forms of media like BuzzFeed and Vice that are kind of like changing a lot more. Um, And we did a bunch of UX interviews when we were doing this. So we interviewed like a first grade teacher. We interviewed like this woman getting her um, psychology master's at Harvard. A lot of, we interviewed a finance bro. He was actually really interesting. And we asked him questions like, what apps did you recently delete? How do you learn the best? What makes you care about things? And people were really drawn to across the board. Every single person we interviewed loved hearing about personal stories. Like they were more likely to click on something or to read something if someone they knew was in it or if someone they knew sent it to them or if they were already interested. So that's what got me thinking, okay, these videos probably should feel more like FaceTimes and like you're talking to a person and they shouldn't feel like homework. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I get mm -hmm. that. Now, what will you do eventually sell spots for advertising? How does an app like Bitter Blush make money? Mm -hmm. Yep. So we, it's a subscription-based service. So I wanted it to be as low cost as possible. In my mind, I'm like, Zara has a much higher net worth than Chanel. You know, when you have more people sure. able to access this information, then it makes it easier. Um, and it kind of works on a pyramid. So like, let's say if you were subscribing to the lowest tier, it'd be 99 cents. And if you wanted to add on like homophobia track, transphobia track, racism track, you'd kind of be adding on. Um, so that's why it's more a la carte. Because I know, for example, someone we interviewed, um, her daughter came out as trans and she was like, I want to learn everything I can about transphobia specifically, mm. right? And so this is really catering to what people um, are going to be most responsive to in the moment. Um, but yeah, also too, one thing that I was thinking about is like when I watch Vice videos and like read a lot of their content, I noticed that like they don't really pay people well, if at all. It's like, oh, we're paying you an exposure, right? Um, and I'm kind of like, what if there was like a middle ground where Bitter Blush could collaborate with a lot of these um, companies that or groups or people that were profiling and have like a middle funnel for um, revenue? So let's say, and I'm going to like make this up off the top of my head, right? Let's say there's like a a band full of queer people and they travel the world on this school bus uh, doing tours and they bought the school bus because that's the bus that they met on when they were in elementary school right if i was a fan of the band and bitter blush i might buy some merch i might go to a show that bitter blush is sponsoring and so i feel like this also kind of makes it more of like a you're learning about this stuff not just only on your phone but irl as well and you can have the option of doing both or you know one or the other and it's community building, right? You're building yeah. a community. You have it broken down into mm -hmm. kind of your curiosity level, your panel of what you are wanting to learn and understand. And I'm mm -hmm. sure once the mom reads about everything she wants to know about transphobia, which is so important, now you start to unpack other layers because now you want to understand all of the friendships and groups that your your child's going to be around. There's such a lack of that information, even on Twitter mm -hmm. X. Uh, so many yeah, things right. are getting censored. So mm -hmm. many things are getting censored. So and it, and it's news, right? It's news articles. It's it's it's, it's a bizarre time because we want to have as much freedom of speech as possible. Yet we cancel mm -hmm. people faster than ever for freedom of speech. And yet mm -hmm. somebody who wants to share something with you that wasn't in the narrative, the 10 news stories of the day kind of gets shut out by being censored. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting too, is like, I basically have bootstrapped this company from doing sex work. Like literally, like it's kind of like literally born from me, like literally. So I think that's really cool. And like a lot of times I'll meet people and they're like, oh my God, like, I love how open you are about, you know, doing porn and being a sex worker. I've never met one before. And I was like, no, babes, you probably have. And you just didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way you've never met a sex worker before. You probably just had no idea. Because most people will put their feelers out and sense their comfort level about how much they're going to share about their actual life. And when mm -hmm, you walk mm -hmm. this walk for so many years, you know, I got in in the early 90s, you know, yeah. at that time, you didn't tell people because people were like, oh my gosh, like clutching their pearls. You know what I mean? Like, like it, there was so few yeah. of us that, that, you know, so it was different. And then you kind of realize, okay, the world is opening up, but you're still selective who you share mm -hmm. it with right off the bat. So you're right. That person probably has met many, but for some reason, the people who that person has crossed paths with in the past was like, I don't know if this person can handle it. I just don't know. Right. I don't know. I know. It's wild because like, I noticed like when I date as a sex worker, it's so easy for me now to tell like who just wants to know what it's like to fuck a porn star and who's actually interested in me, right? Like some people will ask the weirdest questions, like what's the, the weirdest scene you've ever done? What's the grossest thing or the craziest thing? And then other times people will just be like, how do you unwind after scenes, right? And like, those are the types of people where I'm like, okay, I think you like me for me, but it's definitely something that like I have my feelers out for now, especially because I have 13 ex-boyfriends from ages 18 to 25. Um, I was that girl who was always dating somebody um, oh. and now I think now that I've been sober for like a bit, I actually find myself dating like less or at least being in like fewer serious relationships because it takes a very particular type of person to be able to date a sex worker. You have to be really secure in yourself and like really good at communicating and really great with honesty. And usually folks struggle with one or all of those things. <laughs> 
Yeah, and let me add on too, you know, how it affects them in their world, right? Sometimes they can be completely fine with it, but it's one of their friends or a family member or something. You brought up something. You said, you know, not dating as much since being sober. Well, once you reach sobriety and you're on this path, you also learn a lot about codependency. And part of those relationships, those 13 boyfriends, and that's why when you go through the program, because I've taken many people through the program yeah. myself, I've been to meetings, I've read the book, I know all about it, I get it. Do not date somebody mm-hmm. for the first year. And most importantly, do not date somebody you meet at a meeting because now you're putting yeah. two incredibly codependent people together. And that can be incredibly mm. toxic. And you're at a great time in your life to be single and be, you know, branding your, your, your company, doing all the things that you want to do. I will say going back to the dating thing, when I was dating, you could, it was always, always one date was all you needed. And normally you were an hour in before you thought I might talk to this person again after tonight, or I might not. For me, the red flags were always like, okay, yes. If they ask about scenes, that's just wild. But when they would ask about other girls in the business. Oh, what? Okay. I've not, I've not gotten to that that experience yet. Oh, do you know this girl? <laughs> What's she like? And you're like, oh no, I put on makeup right. for this. Like, you know what I mean? It's just a waste of right. makeup. I could be watching, t- I'd be catching up on 90 Day Fiance. Like there's so mm-hmm. many things, but yeah. So how is dating sober different for you than it was before? You know, it's interesting. So um, I have a very interesting experience with dating. So my the first person I ever fell in love with um, passed away while we were dating. Um, and this while, was while I was in active addiction. I already had been doing sex work. This was somebody who like loved me at my core, right? Um, he never did drugs, never pushed me to do anything. In fact, usually if I was like too coked out or something like that, he would just sit with me and just make sure that I was okay. Um, and I think honestly, part of it was I plunged myself so much further into addiction um, to process his passing by myself. And he passed away about a um seven years ago. So um, it's like it was around this time. And I hardly thought about him for years, really, which is so weird to like reflect on, right? Um, I'm still very close with his best friend. And I was talking to him a few years ago. And his friend is like, yeah, you know, I think about him every day for the last three or four years. And I was like, I never think about him. That is so weird. And that's when I realized I needed to do so much more inner healing. Um, but yeah, I, I truly, um, was just kind of, that's exactly, you buried it. You just buried it. Mm -hmm. I, I buried it. So, and honestly too, I think like I was looking for bits and pieces of him in other people. So like I would get really upset and like codependent to your point. Right. And I'd be like, oh my God, I need another person, another person. Um, and you know, I never found him. I don't think I will, but honestly, I feel really lucky to have had that kind of love so young. Never say never because when the time <laughs> is, is right true. and it's meant to be, it will be. And right now, yeah. you know, you're, you're doing your thing and you're enjoying the freedom of it. I mean, it is a little bit more difficult. I felt to be in the relationship in the business while in the industry yeah. and not just about doing scenes, but you know, at my peak years, the industry, I was traveling all over the world. I was doing a ton of shows. So you like, you just don't have time. And each time somebody offers you a gig, you're like, you know, I really should ask if we have plans. Like, it doesn't matter if I add this gig. And so it just helped me really set my life up and, and cruise through that time of being independent. I loved meeting people on the road and just being able Mm -hmm. to make friends everywhere that I went because I didn't feel like I need to be back at my hotel room talking to somebody on the phone. You know, I always watched people who I was traveling with who had relationships and they would like, they would miss out on all the good stuff, like the in-between stuff, like, oh, we're stopping for dinner after we come back from the show. And they're like, oh, I'm going to order room service and get on the phone. I'm like, this is where you get to meet strangers and get to have dinner and break bread with strangers, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Addis, I have to ask you, what was the turning point that made you get sober? You know, I had started trying to get sober and I remember the date it was April 15th, 2018. So I had been trying for years and I started doing drugs and drinking when I was 14. So I went to boarding okay. school in Connecticut, uh, New England prep, all the things, right? Um, and I feel like it was really strange for me to be around like that kind of wealth for so long because boarding school and the college that I went to are kind of the same sorts of people for eight years. And you're living away from home from age 13 up to 21, right? So I didn't even spend that much time in New York during that time in my life. 
Um, and at first I could kind of take it or leave it. You know, if there were, you know, uh, if there was Coke in the dorms, I might do it. I might not. And then it just got progressively worse when I went to college. And then in New York, I mean, everything is everywhere. Literally everything is everywhere. Um, I was at a party the other day and I saw 2C. Have you heard of 2C? You know what that is? I was like, what? I'm not going to do this pink cocaine. What am I, a reggaeton artist? Oh, I'm not no. going to do that. Yeah, it, it was. it's bright pink and it's powder. It, it looks very scary. But uh, I stick um, to flour. You know what I mean? I, I, I just right. smoke weed. Okay. I yeah. like to keep things exactly. simple. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah. I am happy it's legal and I can get it in a store. I'm glad that I can get my edibles in a store where everything's labeled. I don't want to buy anything from the street. Like I don't want to take anything from a party. Yeah. I do have, mm-hmm. you know, you want to test this stuff. But no, I'm not putting anything that has a color added to it. Just for the dye. Just for the dye alone. I'm saying no. Okay? <laughs> it looks like acrylic for powdered here. nails. Probably look like acrylic for powdered nails, you know, and they put the dip in it and did. it's already the color. It really did. And also, too, one of them was darker pink and one of them was lighter pink. And I was like, I don't want to know why that's the case, right? But so I was at this party that my best friend was having. And um, long story short, I ended up fucking my best friend's boyfriend. Did I like him? No. Did I even want him in any way? No, but we were just in a room doing coke and then one thing happened and that's how it ended up happening. And to tell her absolutely broke her heart. And we're in a good place now where we talk almost every day. But, you know, when she asked me, like, why did you do that? My answer was because I was drunk, which is not a reason, right? And so at first it really was something that I did because I felt like I had to kind of repent almost. And at that time I had just started training for the New York City Marathon when I ran that the first time. And so I kind of used that as my excuse, right? I was like, oh, I can't go out tonight. I have to run, you know, 18 miles tomorrow. Sorry guys. But then once the race was over, um, I kind of just went back. And so I've been to rehab twice. I went in 2019 and I went in 2021. I'm at the very beginning of the year. And, you know, I, it was hard, you know, I would have nine months here, three months there, six months there. And then one day I had canceled my birthday party day of, because I was just so depressed. Like I just was like, I don't want to see anybody. I'm sad. And I was talking to my brother on the phone. My brother and not, are not super close. And he asked me, he was like, are you happy? And I was like, no. And he was like, well, do you want to be happy? And I said, I don't care. And saying that out loud to my brother really forced me to take a step back. And so it was at that moment where I was like, okay, like, you know, just pick one thing every day to do. And sometimes it was like just having some water, brushing my teeth. And when I focused on that one thing and it didn't matter what time I did it, I would sometimes end up doing two or even three things. So really, I felt like when I restarted my life, it wasn't ground zero. I was starting from ground like negative two and building all the way back up. Um, So yeah, it really was that. And I don't know what it was. It wasn't my mom having to pick me up from a trap house in Queens because I disappeared for three days. It wasn't, you know, having severe health issues and like, you know, my sinuses would be in severe pain. Um, It was that moment. And I still can't really put my finger on it, but that's what it was. And you're living in a time now where there's so much dirty drugs out there on the street that I worry about anybody. And I feel bad because, hey, if that's a phase you're going through in your life, we all go through phases. When I was younger, we went through an ecstasy phase in the 90s, you know, but I'd be afraid to do that now just because fentanyl just because of dirty drugs, just because people are dying, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I kind of feel like it's really, really reckless now more than ever. And I don't want to be on an anti-drug crusade, but if you can't Mm -hmm. afford to waste some, because on Amazon, you could buy the testing kits. But the problem is, you know, Mm -hmm. you do have to break off a pretty good piece of the pill to test it properly. And I know that when you're young and you're partying, you only have $25 for that pill. You don't want to do that, but you have to. If anybody is out there, you know, using, Mm -hmm. you're just taking such a risk and such a chance with yourself. And the marathon, like, I bet you started to realize, even though you did go back, so you felt great Uh once you ran the marathon because you trained, you cleaned up, you realized how good Mm -hmm. you feel, you had a ton of energy. And then once that's done, you've checked that off your list instead of it being a continuous process. So not that, you know, hard to go back. How many Mm -hmm. marathons have you run since? So it's funny. I did New York in 2018. I did New York in 2019. I have not run another marathon since, but this year I actually ran two half marathons, two 10Ks. Um, so February, March, May, and June, I had races this year. And then in October, I'm running the Staten Island half marathon. And in November, I'm running the Abbott Dash 5K, which is the day before the New York marathon. It's like a 5K race. So I feel yeah, like yeah. I can be a part of marathon weekend without running the marathon. So I guess I race about every other month, but just because I travel so much for shoots and everything, marathon training is really difficult. So I kind of cap it at like a half marathon. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was going to ask you, how do you train for a half marathon? Is it when you're on the road, you get in the treadmill at the gym? Do you try to run outside so you're, you know, used to being exposed to the weather conditions? Yeah. So honestly, the thing about marathon training too, is that like, there's so much science to it. Like you have to train your body to run and eat without choking or vomiting, right? Like, cause you can't run 26 miles without taking in nothing. So half marathons are kind of something where you can wing it a little bit more, but I love running in new places that I go to. Cause it allows me to see the city differently. Um, one of my favorite runs when I was living uptown in New York was I'd run down third Avenue and then I would run across the Manhattan bridge and then through like past Barclays center to prospect park around and back. And that was 22 miles. And like, you don't really see the city like that normally, you know, um, to see third Avenue turn into Bowery, like all of that. I, I loved it. Um, but when I went and spoke at South by Southwest, I was running, I was training for the New York city half in March. And I happened upon Lady Bird Lake in Austin. And I was like, Oh my God, I just stumbled oh, upon this place so where everybody's pretty. running. And it was amazing. <laughs> it's so pretty. It's got a vibe like central park on a Saturday, Sunday morning where everybody's running, riding their bikes, what have you. Everybody's out with their dogs. Mm-hmm. Denver has some really nice spots to run as well and some trails, but I think this is just great. It's something embedded in you and it's a healthy mm-hmm. outlet. It gets you around different people. Do you talk about running on bitter blush? I do actually, you know, and it's interesting. I um, was able to meet some sober folks when I was training for the New York City Marathon in 2019. So I was part of this Nike program called Project Moonshot. Um, and they took like sub elite runners, everyday people, um, you know, who are just trying to qualify or run a fall marathon. And I got to meet a lot more people in the New York City running community. So I've been running since I was 12. Um, I ran in high school. I was a college athlete. Um, actually my mile time in college was a 517. So I was a speedy ho, speedy ho. Um, and the transition, yeah, right. Like who's running a 517? Not me anymore, but I love that I could say that I had that experience, right? Um, I ran that mile at Point Loma in San Diego, actually. Um, and yeah, I feel listen, like you're the- no different than every guy that was a quarterback in high school and still talks about it when he's 40 years old. You got to know the true. time that you ran. Every yeah, guy right. does it. Every guy's like, you know, I ran a 440 in school. You know, you're like, okay, but that, yeah, okay, that was like 37 years ago. And we're talking about I know, it right? Okay, I got it. I actually just wrote something for Runner's World. Um, It's called, it's about how like oh white Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Oh yeah, I write a That's lot. Amazing. Yeah, I've written Glamour. I've written for Refinery. So if you're listening to this, definitely take a look at my writing, but. Um, it was about how white coaches can better support their black athletes because I was the only black woman on my cross country team in high school and in college. And I was also a top athlete. So it was a weird dynamic. I think for me, for um, me and the coach, we did not get along in both of my schools, actually. Um, and one thing that I learned from interviewing people for this article was that the thing with running is that you can hang up the spikes kind of whenever you want, right? You can run for literally the rest of your life. It's not like football where you can't go to the park and play like pickup football. Sure. Um, and sure. coaches do need to prepare their athletes for when they have to hang up the spikes. And a lot of times they don't do that and they just look at them as like point scorers. Um, so yeah, I've been running for a while, but I think like I kind of dip in and out of it um, when I was training for marathons. I was kind of like, okay, I need to eat the exact same breakfast, you know, because I know At exactly the exact what same works time for my every stomach. Day. Yeah, like nothing new on race day and or like I was like oh I'll just be at the afters for like four days you know what I mean so such extremes in my life and I feel like now yeah. I'm having more of a balance and like able to also like mix in my authentic version of sex work in there what do you do for recovery after a half marath- marathon oh yeah so definitely want to get out my foam roller um I use that I also like will put my legs up on the wall do the draining you know um and then also too I make sure that I get something salty in because like you're sweating so much you can actually have a severe electrolyte imbalance so like if it's if it's potato trips even if that's what you can find get that in there because sometimes also if you like lose your electrolytes you'll start cramping up sure of course athletes go through that all the time uh do you do ice baths cryotherapy Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's do you like better? Do you like do you like the tub better or do you like the freeze tank better? You know, I feel like I like the freeze tank, even though it feels so much like more intense. It's like over faster, you know? <laughs> yes. And it has a different level of shock on your body. I do it five days a week. So I I I love it, you know? Five days yeah. a week. I'm religious with it. But it's a game changer mm-hmm. in okay, the first 
you know, five, 10 seconds, you're in there. You're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? But then like by that last minute, especially in a tank, the place I go, it's big enough where you can stretch your head is in everything uh-huh. is in. So I have this whole three minute routine. Uh, my second minute I do squats. I have them like powered down. What? So I know they take you a full second. Yes. Because I want to pass that time. I want to stay a little bit moving. I don't want to think about being cold headphones on listening to music, but recovery is something I also think lacks Mm -hmm. a bit of conversation. We know what what every athlete does to train, but you don't often hear them. I think that's what made Tom Brady really stand out to all of us that read like TV 12 and learned about him because his big thing was recovery. And I'm like, oh, this made me stretch more when I work out. Like this is something we're not just adding in, but where can everybody find your writing other than on Bitter Blush? Do you put it on your Twitter timeline at Addison Fouché, Instagram as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so and yep, it's on yes. The, yeah, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the things. But I also have it on my website. So there's like a section, there's like a, a spicy section of my website, and then there's like a writing section of my website. So you can like read those. But I have like there's some overlap. I wrote one piece called um, Life Lessons I Learned from Being a Whore. Um, there's another one that I wrote that's called like a case in defense of the side chick. Like it's not her fault that your man is cheating on you. It's the man's fault. So I do kind of mix those <laughs> together. <laughs> Your level of creativity and your energy is inspiring. Your vibe is contagious. Now that I know you are in New York, we will definitely be getting together in person. But Addis, everyone's going to follow you at Addis Boucher. And I was so happy to be able to get this conversation going. Maybe me and you get together, do a walk in Central Park. But for you, stay sober, (laughs) stay grinding. Much success to you with Bitter Blush. I'll make sure everybody is also following all things Bitter Blush. Thanks for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you, Lisa. Bye, everyone. I love that conversation with Addis. Addis has such incredible energy, and I cannot wait to meet Addis in person, as well as be an actively engaging in Bitter Blush. Check that out. Give a subscribe there. And it's about learning and opening our minds, which we all know are Pandora's box, similar to schedules being released. NFL, what are you doing? What games are you going to? You looking at the NBA schedule? How are they going to land? Maybe you're going to catch some late baseball games, a concert, a show. However you want to go, Ticket Rev is for you. It's a new way to buy and sell tickets. Download the Ticket Rev app today. Check out the section you want to sit what you're looking to spend, and TicketRev is going to fine-tune that process for you. You can follow on TicketRev on social media at TicketRev. Always running cool campaigns and things that you're going to want to know about. Check out the TikToker that does all of their awesome streams for them. Everything is at TicketRev. And again, you know I've been doing the fan tracks summer of best ball, which flew by. And now my leagues are on fan tracks, and so should yours be. It's not too late to get involved. There's also a plethora of sports at Fantrax. I'm still giving away a CD Lamb jersey, so you can get involved by registering and signing up an account at Fantrax.com forward slash Lisa Ann. If you've already signed up using my promo code Lisa Ann, then you are in it to win it, not to worry. And now let's worry even less because we got a little mailbag coming at us right here. If you want to be a part of the mailbag, all you got to do is send me a question at asklisaann at gmail.com. We've got a couple right here, and I appreciate every single one of you that contributes to this. Okay, this is a good one because I'm starting out hot. Why not? Dear Lisa, I genuinely hold a great deal of admiration for you. I have a question and would appreciate a reply. Well, I will not reply, but hopefully said emailer will listen to my podcast. I'm 44 years old and have been consuming pornography since my teenage years. However, over the last few years, I've encountered difficulties achieving and maintaining an erection during real sexual encounters. Interestingly, when I watch pornography, I experience no issues and I am perfectly normal. Normal. Can you provide assistance regarding this manner? Regards, Amran. This is very common. This is a question that I get a lot. What happens is porn is desensitizing someone to not be able to achieve an erection or complete a sexual activity when they are not consuming porn. The only way to break this horrible pattern is to stop watching porn. What porn has done at that point has put an unhealthy expectation on what you are planning to see feel and understand. And it's taken away your realism for what's real in real time. 
So when you engage with a woman, you've trained your brain to think of sex only one way. And it's what's been fed to you. It's been fed to you. It's been edited. It's been curated to create an addiction within you that will no longer allow you to pull away and have normal interactions. That's going to keep the spinning wheel financially going for the porn business is knowing that this addiction is not only a toxic addiction, porn is just like anything else to be consumed with responsibility. And when you are consuming more of it than you are having actual sex, eventually it is going to take over that part of your brain and you're no longer going to be able to address this. I did a really cool interview a couple, maybe two years ago with Sam um, and his friend. And they talked about how they went through this when they were young and what they decided they were going to do was they were going to not watch porn for a year, completely detox. And after they did that detox, see how they felt when they were having regular sexual interactions. And what they realized was porn is only good an hour or two here and there, like an hour or two a week, like once in a while. Because what it does do is it transfers what you think are, as you said, normal in this email, what you think are normal that are actually not normal to be your normal. So break away from the healthy from an unhealthy consumption of adult content. And if you are actually not able at 44 years old to experience something in real time, then you're missing out on the connection that you get by having a real sexual interaction. There's no connection that comes with pornography. This is a business and it's feeding into the addiction of that business. The only way to make yourself better is to pull away from something that is creating that kind of break in reality So the only way is to detox from the content and to put real interactions forward. The unhealthy watching since teen years is heartbreaking to me because what I know that's done to young people everywhere who started watching too young is it put off their quest for intimacy and understanding what true intimacy is because you get served automatically by watching the scene that you chose that you know is going to do it for you. There's no effort there. It is fed to you and it is fed to you to create an addiction that you cannot keep up with. So with that said, think about if you didn't watch it as a teen, how different your life would have been because you would have been out there meeting and engaging and desiring. And those things get erased when you take that pill, that easy pill. And that pill is just going to that porn site and watching it and allowing it to create and curate what your thoughts should be about sexual interactions, but is the furthest thing from the truth. And the most important thing is to understand healthy consumption and to know how important it is to have something in your life in real time. That's a common question I get a lot. So let's go to the next one. We've got this one right here. Hey, Lisa Ann, you probably don't remember me. This is Paul, the 78-year-old father and grandfather who emailed you about a month ago. I hope you don't get annoyed with me, but my 16-year-old granddaughter showed me how to email, and I don't know how else to contact you. I just wanted to let you know, after you talked about the 24-hour fast, which I had never heard of, I've been doing it once a week for a month and a half. I'm starting to notice a difference in my digestive system and the way I feel, along with losing weight. I love this. Thanks for the suggestion. Also, my partner and I love jewelry and can't help noticing some of your lovely little necklaces. Is it from someone special or did you pick it out yourself? You don't have to tell if you don't want to. We were just nosy old people, but we do love your smiling face every Friday. Thanks, Romello. Oh, I love you too so much. And I love you. I've had such an impact with talking about fasting. And though I know it's not for everyone, the digestive system is a huge thing a huge benefit from fasting is your body is getting rid of all that bad stuff and it's feeding through all of that. So kudos to you for taking my lead and doing this. Now I'm thinking that you're talking about this little necklace that I wear all the time. This little necklace is from Tiffany. And yes, it was given to me by my boyfriend. Um, I want to say two years ago for my birthday and I cherish it. I also have a black necklace that matches this black ring that I wear a lot, the black onyx. That is from David Yerman. I love David Yerman jewelry as well. But this necklace, and you know, guys out there looking for a gift, 
the reason a necklace is so special and it doesn't have to be expensive, just a tiny little special is because when you give your girl a necklace, it is closest to her heart. And every time I feel him, you know, every time I feel it, I feel him. Right. And every time I put it on, I think he is closest to my heart, which is exactly where he belongs to be. So thank you for asking. Thank you for listening, watching. Thank you for emailing. Would never get sick of your emails. And shout out to your 16-year-old granddaughter who showed you how to iPad, how to how to email on your iPad. She rocks. I saw you sent this from your iPad. She totally rocks. We got one more question right here. One, this one says, if you did film or television, what character would you like to play on screen? I would play any character because I love being a part of productions. But of course, obviously, I'd like to play myself. Uh, because I think those people who know me know that I have a very silly and vibrant sense of humor. I am filled with a wealth of useless information. And I think I can fill a screen with just the banter that flies out of my mouth on the regular. So to remind you all and recap, this episode comes out on Wednesdays on all listening platforms. But on Friday, you can watch the video component on my YouTube channel, The Real Lisa Ann. I will be hosting every single Thursday night for the NFL season at Sapphire on 39th Street in New York City. You are welcome to come and watch a game with me. I will be doing betting picks before the game. We'll be doing some in-game betting. It's going to be a ton of fun. On September 11th, Monday, the first Monday night game of the NFL season, I will be back at Sapphire in Las Vegas. Come and watch the game with me there. There's multiple big screens. We're going to have a great time. And again, I'm going to be doing some betting picks on Mondays for the Sapphire in Vegas throughout the season. And then I'll be doing Thursdays for the Sapphire in New York throughout the season. So lots of good stuff there. You can still get your autographed copies of my books, The Life and the Life Back, on my store, Shop. Lisa Ann. I'd like to thank Addis Fouché and Bitter Blush for being such a wildly, incredibly exciting conversation with just a dynamic speaker. Addis is such a gifted speaker. I look forward to meeting Addis in person. Ticket Rev at Ticket Rev on all social. Fantrax.com forward slash Lisa Ann. If you want to sign up, be a part of my autograph CD Lamb jersey giveaway. It is there for you and I appreciate all of you. Thank you for listening to an all new episode of the Lisa Ann Experience. 